0: Welcome everyone to the Blog Music Art Culture. I am your host Dominique and I am so excited to bring a brand new episode to you this Monday. As we typically do, that's when the new episodes air. It was a pleasure, let me tell you, being able to have such an in-depth conversation with Destiny Rogers, a dance choreographer, performer from Oklahoma who came to Los Angeles who was able to dominate the LA scene, creatively, artistically. She was even on one of our favorite American programs. You know what it is. And just in case you don't, I'm gonna tell you. So you think you can dance. Yes, top 10 finalist. And now she's in New York doing amazing things there as well, creatively. So it is a pleasure to share Her story with you all listening today. You can also follow her on social media. During the interview, she is sure to let that known as well. But if you follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, at Dominique LaRue, well, you can see the links there as well. And you can take part in some of the join the conversation hashtags that are posted on Twitter that allow you to follow the interview, follow the conversation, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. One of the things that I loved about her story was her commitment to her craft, her dedication to consistently evolving and changing with her creative desire to not just perform not just to choreograph, but to also mentor and to teach and be a beacon of information, a light for those of her dance community. And it is just a wonderful thing to get to witness people who are actively living their passion, who are available throughout their creative community, and who are consistently looking for ways to redefine themselves and change the dynamic in the culture of what it is that they do in this case it's dance so destiny rogers we salute you and are so grateful that you decided to join us for the blog music art culture i want you all to get very familiar with her and her work and her contribution to dance if you're not familiar with her name Be sure to Google her. You'd be surprised on what you'd be able to find on the internet. She is an amazing contributor to the creative arts and definitely someone who, if you're looking to get more inspired, if you're creative, if you are new to dance, if you're looking on ways to be inspired, I think that this interview definitely gives you the insight that you need and you should check her out because she is on the move doing powerful things i don't want to talk it up any more than i already have but thank you for listening to the blog music art culture again you can follow me your host dominique on twitter and instagram at dominique larue And if you haven't already been familiar, well, you can also subscribe to the podcast, the blog Music Art Culture. We are on Apple Podcasts, so make sure that you hit subscribe, make sure that you leave a comment. And guess what? Our original Anchor podcast, well, you can also hit us up there, anchor.fm forward slash music art culture on any of our podcasts audience listening platforms. You can connect with us and we'd be more than happy to connect with you. That's right. I want to connect. And I want to get into this episode. I don't want to hold it back any longer. I'm super excited for you to get into the know about this young woman, this pioneer, this anchor in her community of dance who is expanding her horizons and also bringing new leaders and performers with her along the way. Without further ado, for the blog Music Art Culture this Monday, hashtag join the conversation, hashtag Music Art Culture, hashtag let's do it. Mm. Keep listening. Here we go. Yes, so thank you for joining us for today's episode of the blog, Music, Art, Culture, an original Anchor podcast that is available on other major recording platforms as well, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker. The list goes on, but we're everywhere. Yes, we are everywhere. And we are glad to have you as our guest today.
1: So happy to be here. Yes.
0: Tell us where you are right now.
1: Um, Right now, I am in a uh, costume shop at a studio in Omaha, Nebraska. And
0: uh, how exciting
1: it is. It it is exciting. I've been coming to this studio for about seven years. um, And actually, this visit, I'm working with some seniors in high school who I've pretty much known since they were young. So it's really it's a very heartfelt trip, so to speak. Yeah,
0: very nice. So okay, let's just jump into the interview. Clearly, okay. you are a busy woman out and about. So, where do you consider your hometown and city to be?
1: Um, my hometown is Oklahoma City. Uh, I was born in Tulsa, but grew up in Oklahoma City, um, and now live in New York. I would say New York is definitely my has my like has my heart, but um, Oklahoma is my soul for sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Oklahoma City's hometown. For awesome. Sure.
0: Now, what made you, when did you know that you wanted to move from hometown Oklahoma City, which is actually a really cool place. My grandmother was born in Oklahoma.
1: And oh, wow. And
0: make the big move awesome. to go over to New York. Well, I actually um, moved to L.A.
1: first. So I knew I always wanted to, uh, ve- like, be a dancer. And I knew that I wanted to be in some sort of production of some kind. Um, It was when I uh, got on to So You Think You Can Dance and made the top eight. Um, So I got to spend about three months in L.A. and just knew that that's where I was going to be um, to, you know, try commercial work. And uh, so I lived in L.A. for 10 years and then uh, moved to New York four years ago. I decided to go to New York because. I felt like I wanted to take my career uh, to the next level in terms of working with some of the best dancers in the world. And I truly believe that um, New York is the heart of dance. It's
0: Now, is that because of Broadway? You wanted to get more into more of the theater world, Broadway, or what, what was that driving force for you when it came to dance? Because clearly you'd already been doing well. You'd done uh, the competition. You were a finalist you know you are already getting your name out there but what was it for you that was you know what if i want to go to the next level i need to be in new york um
1: it, it go, a few reasons
0: it goes back to the point i was trying to make that i really do feel like the best
1: dancers in the world come to new york and they come there because it's a it's a city where you can't really play around i mean you're, you know, you hear the stories of New York, which is that it's fast moving and it's fast paced and there's so much energy and it's so true. And so there's a lot of dancers who take their crafts serious. And so there's classes there who for me when I was growing up, um, Graham and Horton and, um, you know, Merce and all these old school choreographers who I grew up learning about, they still have companies there in the city and they still have classes and I wanted to be a part of that world, whether it be that or Broadway. I didn't care what it was, but I definitely wanted to be around dancers who took their craft seriously. I'm not necessarily saying that in LA dancers don't take their craft serious, but in LA it's more of an instant gratification feeling. It's like you want to go there and you know everyone's walking and around in their own movie. You know, right, they just right. hope to walk down the street and someone be like, "Hey, put, I put I want to put you in my film." You know. Um, it, it was, it worked for me when I first started because I was young, you know, I just wanted to be on TV and I wanted to work with big stars like Beyonce and Rihanna's and, you know, all those Janet Jackson's. And, um, it was very appealing and I I actually got to pretty much do everything that I wanted to do. Um, but training wise, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of choreography. Um, I do more choreography than I do performance and, As a choreographer, you just have to stay as inspired as possible by dancers. So New York just felt like the right place to be at the right time, you know?
0: Right. Okay. So now let's back it up a little bit because we know that you've clearly, you've got the move. You started in Oklahoma. You spent some time in LA. Now you're solidifying your presence in New York, but let's take it back to the early ages. Some of the, the early developmental stages of your development in your hometown. So what junior high school and high school did you attend? Um, So I went to Taft Middle School my first year, sixth and
1: seventh grade. And immediately my mom knew that this was not a place for me. I was um, always in trouble. Honestly, I was didn't feel like I was a part of anything there. I didn't feel connected to the education. And most importantly, I love to dance and a school opened in Oklahoma, which was one of its kind, a magnet school that offered IB program, but also had programs in drama and dance and fine arts, photography. Um, And so I went to that school my eighth grade year, all the way up into senior year in high school, and it was called Classical School of Advanced Studies. And I basically was a dance major and got to take class every day. Um, Yeah. So that's the school I went to.
0: Okay. So school. Very interesting. So a magnet school, a school to towards the arts with that kind of uh, system going, and that was from junior high into high school. Yes, okay.. Yeah. Now what was your favorite subject? I know you got to dance. Were you a math, music? I mean, what <laughs> what was it? Because um, I know I... it's a little different for performers once you know when when you have a school that caters to your performance needs, whether it's choir, dance, whatever sport you play, that's always the highlight, you know. Right, when it comes yeah. to like GPA and performance, and you want to do this and, and that show, then it's like okay, got to make grades. But other than your craft, what well, what was a class that you're like, you know, I don't like this?
1: I would, <clears throat> I would say English was one of my favorite classes. I really enjoyed writing as a young kid. I still enjoy writing, um, and because I went to the IB school, we were they we were allowed to be super creative. Um, like, you know, one year we got to pick our reading list. And so we weren't like necessarily like Moby Dick, you know, right, we got right. to do things that we have some freedom that, we were, that were interesting to us. And it really, I think helped me in my work as a dancer. But I, I would say that either English or music was one of my favorite classes. Uh, music is still like, I, I just, I, I, I used to sing in like this an acquired at school at, at my school and also a choir outside of my school. And I um, think music really helped me to connect to my work in terms of like math and science, like music really helped me make that connection. So um, I would say, yeah, math and English were one of my favorite subjects for sure.
0: Yes. And I love that you kind of tie in that STEM component as well, because a lot of people overlook that. It's like, if you do know how to speak music, it is kind of like another language. So those notes are like, basically fractions. And that does tie into math. It does tie into science. So oh yeah. I love that you at that age were aware of that and can, you know, attribute some of that to your early success that you were able to use that, you know? So yeah, I think now awesome.
1: that I'm a teacher too, I am, I see more of what it means to be a student and it really is unfortunate that we haven't as a human as a as an American culture, you know, who right. has so so much access to so much, like that, we haven't really um, seen that. Like, try to figure out the that our, all of our minds work so differently, and how we connect all those dots is is there's so there's an infinite you know formula, there's it's infinite possibilities for how you can connect all those things together. So it wasn't until I started working with older like younger kids, and seeing them have. Um, you know, one kid could learn through me correcting them or one kid just learns through listening to the music over and over again. And, and also I got to learn them as students, like how, what kind of students they are uh, by just doing small exercises to see how fast they write or how creative they are in their writing or, you know, putting problem solving. So um, yeah, dance and music helps so much in, in the, the way the mind works. So I'm glad that you pointed that out.
0: Yeah. Yes, so definitely so how long before we jump into your uh, work with the McGovern method, um, because you touched on a really good point and you did a great job of elaborating on that. but in those early years, do you have any memorable moments in school that really kind of shaped your life and how you view things outside of education? Um
1: Wow. Yeah, it's such a good question. You said outside of education and I, that really, um, I I would say one thing that I think has really molded me into who I am is my father leaving at a young age. Um, he, uh, bless his heart was, uh, always, um, he had a very, uh, hard problem with addiction and, and mastering that, um, and making his life better. And I think what it did is it pushed me as not just a person but like I would say as a woman um to be strong uh to now I have to reverse it it's like now I'm like too strong you know it's like you're never vulnerable enough but um that's a whole different conversation we can have later but um
0: no no, but that's powerful that's powerful because you know a lot of people don't know how to translate uh those storytellers that are around us on an everyday basis, especially when it comes to our parents, you know, we all have a story that connects us and that has affected us. But I love how you were able to take a look at his journey and respect his journey, but have a a a broader understanding that it didn't have to be your journey. And you use that as a stepping stone to assess what your needs were and how to, yeah. you know, kind of mainstream what your attention needed to be. And I think that's yeah. a powerful tool because I think a lot of young people, they kind of lack some of that understanding from time to time. It can be hard uh, to to come to that yeah. realization, but it it is possible. And I love that you were able to hint on that, that you were able to see, you know what? We are all individuals. We all have a path. We all have a journey. And you're able to just observe, learn, and use that as a catapult to push you forward in things that you really are actively doing and were able to accomplish and that's a very positive uh force yeah that's just it is and i think
1: that's why i wanted to mention it i mean i have uh, so many other things lined up for what for this question but i think this one is is important because there are so many young kids going through things um that seem like it's their life is over and It, you know, it has a lot to do with their um, how they behave and how they respond to the world around them. And I don't think that there was anyone at my age telling me that what I'm going through is really going to make me a better person or make me who I am later and how not having that energy with me in life has helped me today is I can go to a city as huge as New York without uh doubt and fear of, for my safety as a woman or as you know a, you're going to be okay yeah I know I'm going to be okay and I don't put up with excuse my French but I don't put up with shit right you know, from right. any man and now that we're in a, a place where the women where it's always talking about me too movement and women are you know finding their power um I think it's important I think that even though when I was young I didn't understand it it was very important for me to go through that in life so that I could be here in this time period now with a voice. Like you said, that's honestly beyond forgiveness. It's like, thank you, you know? So, yeah.
0: And that's powerful too, because there's nothing wrong with strength. And and I do enjoy these Me Too movements and, and what they do represent as far as giving women a platform, a voice to speak up and be heard about their experiences. But also there is a lot to be said for women who are just able to, assess address empower themselves and solidify their presence in the moment and say these are my boundaries like you said you know I don't take shit and I think that's a really important thing when it comes to assessing and getting your goals accomplished because you can reassess and take on new information take on new data without it allowing uh to or I'm sorry not basically you don't you don't let it hold you back you don't let it hold you back yeah it doesn't stick it rolls off you say this happened you know cause and effect we all have choices what are mine going to be today and i think that's a a really big narrative that i i really hope that a lot of young women uh gather from this conversation and from their life experiences that they can fully assess what decisions am i going to make today to empower myself for the betterment, not just of me, but for everyone, you know, how do I add to my community? How do I add to not just my existence? How do I be present in the world around me? How do I be my best sense of self without constantly allowing situations or circumstances or other people's choices to victimize me over and over and over again?
1: Yeah. So no, that was everything you just said was so powerful. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) let's go into this work that you do with the mcgovern method now you are an ambassador correct yes now explain that explain that to to me to the listeners because i've seen your work um or the work that you do with the group they do have an instagram page as well and uh, you also have an instagram page as well let the people know what your instagram is
1: Uh, my instagram is desi d's d-e-z-i-d-e-e-z um, and the McGovern Method is just the McGovern Method on Instagram. And uh, to be an ambassador, uh, I am completely and fully in love with this product, um, this, this method. And uh, how it started was I just started coming to Wynette, who is the, the um, creator of the McGovern Method. Okay. okay. Um, she, I started going to her studio around six years ago. And um, I just came as a, a teacher, a choreographer to come and teach at her intensives. And the first thing I noticed is that her kids were amazing class takers, S- extremely smart. I could give them corrections. I could give them anything. And not only could their bodies do it, but their mind could do it, mm-hmm. um, make the corrections quick. And so I instantly fell in love with her kids in her studio. Um, this was before she had developed it as a method, so to speak. You know. Okay. Now, um, what are the so, age groups
0: of of this group? Like, um, is this your five year old who you think looks really co- good in a little tutu, or is this your eight year old? What are what is how do you identify who's ready for this?
1: I I would say whoever a parent or a kid a parent sees that in their kid that their kid is a little focused is a little bit more focused than they thought they would be in dance yeah. or um, you see them all the time running around dancing I'd say age six seven seven is to me is probably the perfect age for it to start because uh, they are have a little bit more um, ability to understand what between right and wrong and uh, process they can process a little bit faster so Um, The class is a class that runs it pretty much runs itself. It's set. It's choreographed. So the kid would need the dancer would need to be um, able to focus in class. So that might be around seven, eight years old. And it goes up from there. We're we're hoping to get the McGovern method in New York on Broadway dancers and professional dancers in the in the area because they honestly are lacking this class. Um, That would be awesome. Yeah, that's 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 the goal. We hope to get that um, in the next uh, year or so. As a matter of fact, Wendy, who's who the founder, which she's short for Winnette, but short Wendy for short. Um, she has about eight to ten dancers who are professionals right now in huge shows. One is in um, the Mean Girls. One is in the Broadway production of Hamilton and on the road of Hamilton, Lion King. Uh, she has a student Zola Williams that was in. Um, Black Panther and she's now going to be in the new movie with that's all about the women I can't remember what the name of it is I'm sorry about that no Um, worries we have um, we have dancers who are performing on cruise ships and in Juilliard and the Ailey School USC Uh, we know the program works we know that this 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 works for dancers who are trying to take their craft seriously and so we really do want to bring it to the next level to bring it to professionals around the world, yeah.
0: That would be awesome too. And I like how a lot of the shows that you mentioned are accessible in LA. I mean, clearly I've always heard, I'm a California girl, but I've always heard the best theater is in New York, but a lot of those shows travel to the major cities and they are in LA. So if there's any uh, parents out there listening, anybody who wants a good introduction to theater, you already know a lot of those names that she's listed. Hamilton is definitely worth your money. You know, the Lion King, you're familiar with that, you know, so it's not like you wouldn't uh, be able to grasp what's going on and it's really an enjoyable experience. So FYI, if you're looking for a simple introduction to the world of dance and theater, those are great things to uh, look up downtown Pantages theater, uh, do your homework, decide what you're interested in, but let's get into the styles of dance now what are your favorite types of movements what are your dance specialties
1: uh my favorite style is modern that's what i grew up learning is a lot of modern techniques including horton graham um a little limone um and then that's like my favorite style i still take a lot of graham classes and horton classes to this day uh right now uh contemporary seems to be the most popular and trending uh, style and because i am working in competitive dance studios um, that's what they request and so i've a lot of my work these days um are is contemporary i really really love jazz and i hope to make sure that and when this jazz is coming back i know it's coming back strong yes um it is it's gonna it's making a comeback for sure and i'm really excited about it because it, the contemporary world is a. Uh, very abstract and nice. I love it that, that I love that we are able to express ourselves like however we want to, pretty much in contemporary. There's no limits, you know. Right. Um. But I love jet. I love the classiness of jazz and the fact that it's coming back so high energy. Um, as a matter of fact, they're doing a Bob Fosse special on FX very soon, um, and I nice. think, yeah, that is gonna just alive in the the jazz world but that's probably like what my real really favorite is my favorite is jazz so um yeah I hope that answers your question
0: (laughs) yes and for the listeners if you're not really that familiar with uh the world of dance go to google and kind of type up uh, jazz dance type up contemporary uh type up Uh, hip hop dance a lot of people are familiar with that if you listen to the music but it'll introduce you to a lot of the different movements and styles and you'll see how they really reflect in the music how they really bring the pieces to life and it will reintroduce what the word dance means when when she's having this conversation with us talking about methods and movements and she's dropping names like alvin ailey you know you'll have an understanding of oh okay They're specifically known for this kind of movement and, you know, this is why they do this and this is why they do that. So it's really a very dynamic world. You know, dance is very much like art. When you walk through a museum, every piece is different. Every structure is different. Some dance has have no structures. Like you said, with contemporary, it's limitless to what you can do. So, it's all about just getting really familiar and having an understanding and really just having fun with experiencing dance. It's a great opportunity to, you know, be a little more uh, well rounded, especially if you're dating these days. You can name drop, maybe take somebody to a play. I don't know. That'll be ah! fun. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: That's always exciting, right? I mean, you could be going out Oh, on my a God. Day. I would
1: love that. You yeah, have that'd a cup be of amazing. Coffee
0: in your hand, and then you just bust out some Lion King or Hamilton tickets. You know, yeah, just change That's the so romantic. Yes. <laughs> so let's get into it. What are some of the misconceptions about the dance world that a lot of people have?
1: The number one misconception is that if you're a dancer, you're poor.
0: That
1: mm. uh, <laughs> you can't make it in this world. That you'll be a starving artist. Um, that the number is one is
0: poverty. So that's not true. Yes.
1: Okay. It's not true at all. Um, I have traveled to some of the coolest places in the world because of dance. And um, when you go to a college, uh, they'll, you learn a lot about managing your money and, and how to manage your money in, in your career as you're, you know, gigging or going from one tour to the next. Um, you just have to be well educated, just like you would in any field. But that's probably num- the number one misconception. Uh, the number there's so many other ones that only you know that ballet is only made for for white people you know um, that hip-hop is only made for black people or ghetto people so to speak or um, that you have to dance all since you're at a young age in order to have a career in dance Um, there's a lot of misconceptions I would say those are the top three is that we put we generalize what who should be in what style of dance and that you're going to be poor if you do it pretty much. Those are like one of the worst misconceptions. Um,
0: And I think that's great too, that you say that out loud because I have heard that and I'm not a professional dancer. I, I haven't been trained professionally, but those are popular stigmas that are placed out into the mainstream culture about who is appropriate for a certain type of dance, you know, when it comes to the nutcracker, when it comes to ballet pieces. And it's always amazing when you see people, you know, breaking down those barriers, you know, who are saying, no, that's not true. And they show them why it's not true because they can actually do the work. And, you know, it's so true even with hip hop where there's always this misinterpretation of what it is and who it represents and what it's supposed to be. And I think that's why it's always great to have these authentic conversations with people who are actively in that world who can educate the rest of us on what's true and what's not true, especially the thing about, you know, being a a impoverished dancer that was like that was totally on the money right there because there's I know that there's somebody listening who's going to go and tell their parents see I'm not wasting your money. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You know, when it
0: comes and I like... think it's,
1: I think it's also important for us to just put out there that we are so lucky to live in a time where we do have technology and we do have, um, we have access to so much information and also um, we can create, we live in a time that has never happened before, you know? Yes. There's right. been, um, there's been great build, pyramids and all things we've there's some things that we've done before rome has done before but what we've never had is technology at our fingertips and what we've never had is so much accessible to everyone yeah Yeah. and because of that we can create whatever future we want for dance or for any field but especially obviously we're talking about dance but especially now um kids can learn any style just on YouTube alone. I, one of my good friends has a, an app called CLI where um, they bring in the best teachers and they teach online. You have a small little membership and you can learn new ballet combos, new modern combos, new contemporary, new ways to improv. So because of that, it, it is our job and it is our our job as teachers to completely um fill up our kids with empowerment to know that they can create whatever job they want. Um, We don't have some huge regulatory, you know, system in place in front of us to tell us who can and can't be a, you know, a so-called scholar or a master at this, you know, it's a free open world in the dance world. And I just encourage any kid that wants to do it to um, follow your heart and try as many different styles as you possibly can. And then you'll find why it doesn't matter what people say. You'll find that power within you. That's like, I I can't get enough of this. Right. And that's what a lot of people are missing in finance and in law and, and where they use find people who have these brilliant jobs and they're not
0: happy because they lack the passion.
1: Yeah. They lack the passion and they, and they, and it, you don't feel what you feel when you feel in dance. It, you get to feel it. It's not just looking at it. You get to feel it. It's, it's in your body. So it's important for People not to, like teachers and parents not to tell kids that because you can make a, a great living when you follow your passion. I think especially if you're if you're you're you want to spend the time to perfect your craft. Yeah,
0: exactly. Passion and commitment is what it takes to build a career. And mm-hmm. you said it. You said it. So how do you balance career and family when it comes over into that? Because you're living your passion. You're traveling. You've broken the barriers. You've said in your mind, this is what I want to do. You've already asked your power and you're like, I'm doing it. I've done it. I'm doing more. How do you balance career goals and being available for close friends and family?
1: Um, I would say it definitely is a challenge. And um, I would say the last, there was a time in my life where I never, I really didn't get to see a lot of my family. Um, And that was a sacrifice I knew I had to make because they're not going to move to New York, you know. Right. Um, Right. But what I do now that I am established and in a great place, I try to make sure that I see my family at least twice a year, once for Christmas. And when I'm there, I'm completely present. I'm not on my phone and I make sure to laugh with them as much as I possibly can. Um,
0: A lot of amazing. That's a good note.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and I also try to really I, it is it is like in my blood to make sure that I balance fun and um, work like I if I'm if I work 50 percent, then the rest of it has to be fun. Or if I'm working, it has to be fun, you know. Right. So I try to try to make sure that that happens. And it's it what I'm lucky. I'm lucky enough to know to have a job where where I do travel. Most of those people are my good friends. So mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit easier for me to balance that out. Um, when I was touring though, I will say, I'm not going to sugarcoat everything. It was very hard to see, to have that. Um, but I think that it's important for you to have those moments in your life because you want to work hard at, you want to put in the time and the hours that you need to, in order to like really build a craft that'll last you a lifetime. So you need that. But yes, I think balancing it is just honestly, like, this new year's eve christmas having certain parts of the the year where you need that you know um you need that love in your life just making sure that that is something that's important to you
0: yes now what inspires you to keep going as a performer not just a teacher but as a performer that's
1: a good one um (laughs) I, when I, when I'm on stage or even if I'm in a classroom and I have to perform it for my students, like even I'm I'm still now, I still do my combos. I still do the choreography that I make up and I have to feed them energy in order for them to uh, get the movement Mm -hmm. and understand it. Um, But even if on stage, I would say there's something that clicks, you know, like when the music when I feel the kick drum or if I feel a certain uh, key or a certain note or a certain lyric set of lyrics, I mean, something will click in my head. And honestly, it's a feeling that's like, it's wordless. It's not, um, I don't really, it feels like consciousness, you know? And I think that in that itself and knowing that I have a body and knowing that I have a body that's been doing this for such a long time, meaning it has a lot of information in it. I feel like um, it's it's like a it's like a have to scenario, you know, like there's no way it's we have this like really um, long history and marriage dance and I. So I think it's just knowing that I that when the music comes on, that you have that feeling. Mm-hmm. That's what inspires me. and I've, And yes, most importantly, music definitely is my inspiration. I can listen to about. I can listen to that music for 12 hours a day, pretty much. I probably do. Wow. Yeah. You know, so I list, I think music is like that connection I have with it is like what keeps me inspired for sure.
0: So I love that. And to simplify for some of the people who may not be of the artistic world, her body is like a computer and dance is the program. So because it's been paired, like you said, there's muscle memory. There's memory. You have a long history there. There's things that I'm sure you're choreographing, or I'm sorry, chore- choreographing. That's the word I'm yep. looking for. Lord Jesus, choreographing. It's, it's the same. Yeah. Your body just <laughs> takes over, and so even though I'm sure you you work out your combinations and whatever you want to do, but then you've been doing it so long, I'm sure like you start to create new things in the process. Yeah. So it's like a seamless kind of. It's like a stream of water you never really know, you know, that it's flowing, but you can't, it's, it's, there's so much movement in the flow of that one direction. It's, it's really, that's where the art comes from. If, if that's a great, it's like the wind. So many that was the beautiful. The wind. And you know, it's, it's wherever the wind is taking you, wherever it's flowing, there's so many things that's affected by it while it's going in that one direction. There's so many other things happening. So that's where the fun of dance comes in for me as somebody who likes to watch, because it really is an art form. And it's something for people to keep in mind, you know, if you're not as familiar, these are things, ways for you to kind of get familiar with it so you can kind of connect to an artist and their work. Uh, you don't have to be a great dancer to enjoy dance. You know, it's it's a story. It's a process. It's like a movie. It's a theme. It's a lot of different things. And it can be whatever the interpreter wants it to be. So it's definitely a journey that I want people to have an understanding of and something that they can participate in, even if they don't have the moves. So yeah, this absolutely. is like we... so enlightening. Go ahead. You no, saying? I was going to
1: say, and that's another goal that I have. Um, in the next five years is developing a technique um, and we will do this through the McGovern method Um, right now the class is like really strictly only for serious dancers I mean (laughs) um, but we hope to later is is create a class that really does give you a wonderful uh, workout but also um, gets people who haven't danced before excited about it and really understanding the the soul mind and body connection that dance brings and how happy you feel when you're done it, it obviously just like any workout brings so many endorphins to your your all through your body yeah but when you start to start to realize how much of your mind um, it heals and how much of your mind you get to access because of it I think more da- no more people would, Dance, you know, and it doesn't, it's there's different levels. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be on point in order to take ballet, you know, right. you don't have to want, you know, you don't have to go out for some big audition in order to just move your body. And I think that the I think that things are changing, you know, in our society where people are wanting to have more of a connection with their body and mind. That's why yoga is so huge right now. And, um, so our goal is to take it to the next level and get people excited about you know understanding where energy can come from in your body and um how you can connect it, how you connect to other people through it so i'm glad you really said it because you you said it like so eloquently and i um, glad we recorded that let's say
0: that <laughs> yes yes i mean you're, you're doing the work you're actively doing the work so i know sometimes like you know when it comes to the you know know everybody is not coordinated with that one two step and you know believe it or not right yeah we all know like one or two people right because they 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 don't know quote unquote in their mind how to dance so whenever the music comes on and everybody gets up they get really fearful really scared they grab a drink they start stuffing their mouth with food right want to move out of the corner it's like oh my god what's happening you know it's almost an anxiety attack in the making so I explain it like that. So, you know, everybody can kind of feel like it's something for everyone and just not for the few. But
1: when it Agreed. gets into yes.
0: the, the younger kids and um, a little bit of the shift uh, in the conversation is going to take yeah. place here. Um, when it comes to the younger generations with everything as far as bullying, body image, how do you feel they're able to cope with that in the world Of dance I've heard that it's very similar to modeling when it comes to perfection body image but do you feel with uh, the kids being more outspoken now over social media and in their own personal social settings do you feel that they're more uh, able to handle that mentally and physically or how do you feel what do you see
1: I would have to, my personal pl- opinion would have to say that I don't think they can handle it more. I have, I've seen more kids in the past five years uh, suffering from anorexia than I have any in my life. Wow. Um. So I don't, uh, with eating disorders, you know, it's, I don't want to just say it's anorexia because there's other forms of eating disorders as well. But I think that we are not doing the best job that we can to, you know, show young dancers that their bodies are beautiful. We're not doing that. And especially in dance where you have to look at yourself in the mirror all day, um, every day making corrections. It's hard to, uh, differentiate between a correction and, and thinking that you're not good enough, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's important. I've, I've tried to practice, um, in my work, is when I'm giving a correction, once they make a correction, saying words like beautiful and stunning and this is great, you look strong and powerful. And so they know that power and strength and beauty lies in so many different, so many different ways. It doesn't have to look a certain way. But I would say that, no, I don't think we've done a great job of, you know, protecting them or not protecting them, but getting them to understand their worth um, through this huge change in social media, but we have to also realize how fast it happened. You know, right. I do think that social media does, plays a huge role, especially in dance. I mean, I know kids who are 10 years old and they have 100,000 followers and five sponsors and, right. um, and every picture they take is them half naked outside with some you know leotard on right. um do i think that's going to affect them in the long run absolutely um mm-hmm. so what do we do about it what what would be our next steps as a as a society uh, and in dance um and yeah. I think
0: that's really powerful, too, that you you say that. And coming from someone with experience, coming from someone who is immersed in the world, coming from someone who is not only a performer, but also an educator, a teacher, um, that is something that I definitely want our listeners to pay attention to. Because if you're a parent, if you maybe are someone in that circle where you're friends to a parent or, you know, you're uh, a developmental uh, authority in someone else's a young person's life. If you if you see something, maybe you should say something. Speak to the instructor. Ask for tips on how to kind of you know curve a little of that negative uh, body image. If you see the, the child is kind of you know beating up on themselves, you want to make sure that you kind of you know you stay on top of that. When they get home, they know hey you're doing great. Your teacher thinks you're doing great. You want to improve. This is where you need to focus on because I think sometimes parents they get so you know I don't know they get possessed they're like my kid needs to be the best or maybe not I was just gonna
1: say that that's a that's another thing that I find is that we as parents want our kids to succeed because it is a competitive world out here um and so we want them to be the best in school and we want them to be the best in dance and then we want them to be have the best friends and we want them to be you know everything is the best. And then they're also always comparing themselves to someone exactly. on, on social media. And sometimes when they're, especially when they're 14, 13, 14, when your, your hormones are changing, your mind is changing. You're starting to figure out what you do and don't like you, you have emotions that are involved. And in those times, especially we have to really have a moral code about what's most important to us you know and the most important thing is that you're happy and that you're strong and that you can you're confident in who you are as a person and that confidence might be different for everyone you know like every kid is motivated differently and so just making sure that we're clear about that at a very young age is like i mean is most important my 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 rules in my classes. I don't, you don't have to be perfect. What you have to do is make sure that you don't take any of this moment for granted and that you are grateful for your work and that you give as much as you receive and um, that you make changes quickly and you do it intelligently. And that to me is what a strong dancer is a strong dancer and a strong human because you're going to make mistakes, you know? And I don't think that we do the best job in making sure that kids really understand what, the with the real purpose of dances which is to empower you and make and give you um a a chance to express yourself um and that means that we have to express ourselves whatever our body looks like you know and make sure we're not putting kids in costumes or just putting them in in situations where they would be uncomfortable i see a lot of like people who you know kids and studio owners who make their kids come to class and they have um they have to have you know bloomers and if i had to wear some of the stuff they wear this i would never come to dance class i mean i just wouldn't (laughs) have done it i I just wouldn't have done it so i try to make sure that kids feel uh, comfortable in my class and we also can you know make the corrections that need to be made on the body um right but in a way where everyone feels comfortable and their bodies feel great um but yeah i i I think this is a tricky t- subject and it's definitely a subject that we all need to, as educators and, and leaders, we need to, we definitely need to fix this problem because even myself as an adult can go online and com- and compare myself to other women and question myself. Right. Am I doing enough? Did I work out enough this week? You know? Um, so I can't right. imagine what it's doing to a young kid. I can't.
0: Yes. We all go through that in, yeah. in, the, in the world of comparison. We all go through that. So how that's really wow I love the way you said that I love it I love every bit of it and just to tie that in because one of the one of the really powerful things that I love is how you get them how you how you say it I'm going to (laughs) paraphrase but how you said that you allow them to be comfortable in their own skin and you want them to be comfortable so that way they can learn the movements and you can correct them in the process so that they can be their best. Yeah. Because it's not about being necessarily, you want to be your best. Everybody needs to be their individual best. And that's just, that's very eloquently said. So for some of your students, your young dancers that you run across that are trying to find that, that signature style, uh, how would you, how would you, what type of advice would you give them? You know, they're like, I want to be known for this type of style. I want to be the next Alvin Ailey. I want to be the next, you know, who whomever. Um, I would. And it's always a little tricky, too, because for people who actually do like the backstory and read about these people, <laughs> sometimes it can be a little tricky. It's like I remember one time I read an autobiography of uh, Miles Davis and when I learned everything that he went through and about his life, yeah. it was wild. It was like jarring. It was, it was like a movie. Was, you never know. It's like people have five different lives all in one life. So yeah. how do you, what do you say? I would
1: say for me, I, I went to something that I could, I just connected with, you know, I think life brings us whispers all different types of experiences in our, in our ears for us to be connected for to certain things it, it, we're we're drawn to certain things for me um I really really I my first I think I was 14 and um Alvin Ailey came to my school and taught class and then I was able to go and watch them perform and at the time Janet Jackson was out and it was the if the, the if video had just come out and I know you remember that that was right like remarkable Aconic. yes, yes. Um, and they came and taught us like some of the choreography, because some of them was in the was actually in the music video. And wow. that connection made me immediately love um, Horton. Um, it immediately made me love commercial dance, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, women just look so powerful. And um, I love being on the, in the lights, you know, so to me, That was just something I was drawn to. And a lot of my work in choreography when I was younger was very much, it was pretty much me copying Alva Daly. And so that drew drew a lot of my attention to that. But then also I really loved hip hop growing up. But the reason why I loved hip hop was because it was rebellious and it was... um, it made me, it helped me get through days that weren't always easy, you know? And right. so then I, I fell in love with that style of dance. And so then once I started to practice all of those things at one time, it, it my body just started to move the way it, I started to find my own voice. And I think that's what kids can do these days now that they have even more access is to research. Like there's no reason for you to wait for anyone to, um, to educate you you can do it on your on your own and then the universe will just kind of put you in the right places you know one of my good yeah. friends um her sister um always loved dance but never really took dance classes but loved it you know so she just started learning stuff on youtube well um she went to college and got a, a degree of to teach english and she went to korea and started taking dance classes in the studio in korea and now she's like one of the biggest choreographers in Korea right now. So you never know, yeah, it's huge. Like she loves dance, she's, it's, it's insane. And she started at 22, you know? So you never know where it's gonna take you and how life takes you there. And I just say, keep following the little small paths and dance on your own as much as you possibly can. I used to dance and make up dances every night when I was younger. Um, and I think a lot of that helped me to become an, individual, an, an individualized dancer. Um, because sometimes I didn't feel it place in ballet. Loved it, but I didn't feel it place there. And I had to find my own voice through just practicing and, listen, and letting the music affect me, you know?
0: Yes. You found your own language. For you sure. You created your own narrative. So I love how we've just, we've moved around in this conversation. We've covered it all. And we I have. Love <laughs> I love it so much. It's been so like eye-opening for me because I just love to hear people share their experiences and the fact that you're able to do so and inspire, not just me, not just the listeners. I know that you're doing such a great job while you're, you know, traveling the world and influencing these young kids. It's just amazing. And thank you for allowing us to take this journey with you and just hear about it and sharing it. It's just amazing. Um, Just a few more questions and then we'll wrap it up because this is a busy lady people. This is a busy lady. (laughs) So make sure you follow her on social media and keep up everything uh, that she has going on. If you have uh, young pupils that you would like to uh, get into dance or you're trying to figure out the best way to be a supportive parent and how to go about that, reach out to her because she is filled with great information, okay? She's a professional. She's a teacher. She knows what it takes. She knows what it looks like. And if you have questions, there is no wrong question. Okay, there is no stupid question. Just ask the question, get the answer and make an informed decision. So that's always awesome, right? When we have people come to the table who want to be a part of the community, who want to connect with people, you have to take advantage of that. And she's definitely one of them. So this is always a fun question. This is always a fun question. And this will be our last question. But if you could be an animal, what animal would you be and why?
1: Um, this is a great question. I would say I would be an eagle um, because <sighs> I just want to know what it feels like to be up there soaring okay. and looking at the world from that view. And I feel that they're extremely um, remarkable at knowing what they want and getting it. And um, they're just interesting creatures. They're just beautiful. And um, I think that I would pick that. Yeah.
0: All right. Destiny is the eagle. Soaring high, powerful. Yeah. (laughs) And free. Free to fly. So, yes, that is definitely inspiring on so many levels. And thank you for your journey. Go ahead and plug your... um, Your social media one more time because I'm gonna make sure people get that. They can follow you on Instagram at yes, they can
1: follow me on Instagram at Desi D's. Um, that's D E Z I D E E Z, Um, short for D's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you people couldn't remember,
0: there it is. Okay, there it
1: is. Just in case, um, yes, Desi D's on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Destiny Rogers um and yeah that's it yeah that's my social media all there right. you go it's can't so- wait to hear from you all
0: yes Please. so get out there people connect follow like share if and
1: in- dance and dance and dance yes it makes you happy
0: there you have it yeah. there's Destiny. thank you so much thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the blog music Art culture i'm your host dominic larue we had our special guest here destiny queen of dance That's her new name. I'll take that. Oh, I'll take that. AKA Dee Dee. (laughs) Yes. Be sure to follow. Be sure to enjoy this episode and like, share, tweet, follow the blog, music, our culture. Until next time, we've been very excited to bring this episode to you. Later. Thank you. Have a good one.